Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Are you looking for a unique learning system that is designed to recover learning loss, demystify learning, and make learning fun and easy? Then take a look at what Fearless Learners has to offer. Fearless Learners by Success Codes where all children can learn and grow fearless with a learning success coach by their side. Their certified learning success coaches make learning easy with their proven holistic coaching methodology, which is a unique and superior alternative to tutoring and teaching in all subjects. All of their coaches are certified teachers as well as certified learning success coaches who've left the school system to create the right environment to provide customized, and personalized learning experiences. You can find them at learningsuccessacademy.com. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast and platform. And I'm also a home educating parent myself. But I want to say thank you for taking the time today to listen to this podcast and to listen to this episode. I truly appreciate it. And I'm happy that you're here. So before we get into this fantastic episode with Amanda Schenkenberger, I just wanted to let you know that we're moving into spring of 2023, and that means this is our third year for How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler Summit. So this summit is a summit that Kelly Edwards of the 90 Minute School Day and I created, and it's a yearly summit that is interactive, live, informative, and builds community. So this year's theme is Purpose Persist Play, the powerful piece, and we always guide it around themes that will support us and inspire us in our unique home learning journey, however that looks like for us. So we have fantastic keynotes and workshops. Our keynotes are Purpose with Leah Bowden of Modern Miss Mason, Persist with Julie Bogart of Brave Writer, and Play with Mr. Chaz, who's a fantastic early childhood and parent educator. And then our workshops are supporting neurodiversity with Kelly Edwards and supporting self-directed teens with myself and a few special guests. So it's going to be a fantastic day of informative, fun experience. It's audio only. And I recommend that you go to howtobeanawesomehomeschooler.com to learn more, to register for the summit. It is, if you attend the live day, March 24th, it is free. But if you register for the free registration, you also receive the digital swag bag, the free digital swag bag, which is filled with a ton of resources. Every year, uh, there's freebies and downloads and discounts on books and sessions, coaching sessions, and other resources that support your family's learning journey. 
It's definitely worth it. And if you can't make it live, we do offer a package where we record the summit the full day. We have PDFs of all the recordings and workshops, as well as extra VIP goodies like uh, after the summit, there is a movie watch party, as well as a special gathering, community gathering, where we continue the conversation and host a special Q&A with Kelly and I for anyone that wants to gather again. And you can find out more at the website, howtobeanawesomehomeschooler.com, or join us live March 24th. Okay, so this episode I'm really excited about because as also we're getting ready, you know, we have our workshop uh, for the summit, my workshop on supporting self-directed teens, our theme of purpose, persist, and play. You know, I get so many questions about you know, the what if, you know, are our kids going to be prepared? If they don't attend school, how will they be ready to face the work world where people will tell them what to do? You know, the thought if you're unschooling, for example, that your kids never have any direction and it's a free-for-all. That's a misunderstanding, by the way. Um, But, you know, things that are fears and doubts of raising kids that don't go to school, how will they turn out in the quote-unquote real world? And if you join my newsletter, you'll know that I my theme this year is real talk. Last season was de-schooling. This year is real talk about those fears and you know real things that we deal with that maybe aren't always shared or picture worthy on Instagram. So I'm sharing more experiences of older or grown homeschoolers or unschoolers that um, you know are sharing the real talk of what it was like to grow up homeschooled or unschooled and how it shifted, changed them, or supported them in their adult years. So this episode is with grown homeschooler Amanda Schenkenberger. So Amanda is Heart Smart Homeschool Moms. She actually runs a business that coaches homeschool moms. Her website is moms.heartsmarthomeschool.com, or you can find her on Instagram at Homeschool Coaching Mama. And this episode I loved because Amanda really shares the stories and experiences of growing up homeschooled. She shares unique experiences like what it was like to be someone who is involved in competitive sports while homeschooling. She was very involved in the equestrian world. Unique experiences how her dad was her main homeschool support and how she learned how to read. Her dad is deaf and being taught how to read from someone who is deaf. Um, her work ethic that she was that she built through having um, a, growing up on the ranch, but also having a ton of time to play and be curious and explore, and as well her experience of being a young homeschooler that did have to go into high school at a certain point because of big transitions in her family life, but how those experiences have translated to her life now as she homeschools her own children. So enjoy this episode. I thought it was fantastic, and I would love to hear from you. I'm sure Amanda would as well. You can connect with her on Instagram, or you can email me or connect with me on social media as well. Enjoy the episode. All right. Well, hello. I have Amanda Schenkenberger with me on today's episode. Amanda, welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Well, thank you for the invitation, Robin. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good, good. I'm happy you're here. Uh, Actually, one of the reasons that I'm excited for this opportunity is because I think it's really important to share stories of homeschoolers and unschoolers and people that have created a very unique or their own learning journey through life. 
and have lived it and grown up um, living it and then are doing similar things as a parent or as an adult. So um, I know you have a great story to share, and I'm looking forward to hear about your journey, your unique learning journey growing up as a homeschooler as well. And I know you now have become a parent who chooses to homeschool, and you also coach and support other homeschool parents as well. So maybe I'll pass it to you, and I'll let you share a little bit more about yourself um, before we get into it, in case there's anything I missed. Yeah, yeah. So you got my name right, Amanda Schenkenberger. <laughs> uh, I coach over at HeartSmart Homeschool Moms. I really love helping moms go from that like overwhelmed or scattered state to confident and connection because I think connection is really where like the special part of homeschool lies because uh nobody has a connection with their kids like we do as their moms or their parents. And so being able to bring education in through that lens is a very unique opportunity. And so I just love um, helping moms create connection in their homeschooling. Yeah. So um, that's a little bit about what I do now. And I share a lot about um, what it was like for me as a homeschool kid back when it was like super weird. Like I got that question all the time. I was very social. And so I'd always get like, you're homeschooled, but you're not weird. And I was like, why is this a thing? <laughs> I was so confused. And then I I did meet some strange homeschoolers in my day, um, but that wasn't the norm. Most of us that I knew we were, you wouldn't be able to pick us out of a crowd. Right, right. Which I think, you know, at the same time, I think there's going to be, strange people anywhere, whether they go to school or not. It's funny that homeschoolers kind of get pigeonholed, but I guess it's different because usually we're people who are going against the grain in some way. So you got to have a little bit of a different, I don't know what it is, but um, in order to do that. So that part is understandable as well. Did you always homeschool? Yeah. So I was homeschooled until about 14, uh, 14, 15. I can't remember exactly. Uh, my parents ended up getting divorced and we had a very big lifestyle shift. Mm -hmm. And so my education fell through the cracks. So the only option that I really had was to go to public school at the time. And I actually was so nervous about it. I started a whole grade behind. So like, I understand like that fear and intimidation. Um, but it was, there was no reason for it, it turns out. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's, we'll get to that part of the story as well. And and then maybe we'll, we'll back up um, and also share whatever you're comfortable sharing as well. Mm -hmm. um, but so why did your parents choose to homeschool in the beginning? What about homeschooling drew them? Uh, was there a value that they held? Uh, what was it that brought them to that decision to homeschool you? Yeah, it was actually um, really inspired by my dad. And he's always been a little bit different. He's actually completely deaf. He's never heard my voice, um, but he speaks just normally like you and I. He had progressive deafness into his 20s where he completely lost his hearing and home, um, hearing aids didn't help him. And so he was reading about it and he thought at that time, we were living in California at that time, and he thought at that time that the schools in our area weren't covering enough of like writing, reading, and arithmetic. And so he thought he could do a better job at home. And so 
actually a completely deaf man taught me how to read, wow. <laughs> which is crazy because he reads lips. Right. So, yeah. So it was really, he, he inspired the whole, the whole progression of that. And I asked my mom about it and she was of course, very nervous about the idea and um, felt that whole like, well, who am I to educate my child? She had no, you know, degrees in education. And then <laughs> she's a little bit on the conspiracy side, she would say herself. She noticed different things about the educational system. And she was like, oh, maybe this homeschooling thing is good. <laughs> so she gained <laughs> confidence and we kept rolling with it. I love it. Okay. Wow. I didn't, I did not realize that your dad was deaf. And so teaching you how to read, I, I think it's interesting because I all of a sudden thought of all of the objections, objections and concerns that parents have when it comes to homeschooling or unschooling and some of the things, well, well, how, well, how will they learn how to read? How will they learn how to do math? Especially if I'm not a trained teacher in those subjects, they go to school to learn how to do those things. And here you are, you learned how to read uh, at home and your dad who could not hear your voice, who could not hear you enunciate or sound things out, taught you how to read. I love that. It's so crazy when I think about it. Um, And I think I get my like, well, I can do anything spirit from Mm -hmm. him because Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I talk to moms, obviously um, often like, well, you know, this reading thing, it's really hard. How am I going to teach him to do that? And I'm like, well, if my deaf father can teach me how to read, like I had, I I remember it so clearly we did hooked on phonics. Yeah. And so I remember the little car that I would take around the path as I would hit those like milestones of reading. And so it was, it's a very fond experience for me to recall. And obviously at the time I didn't understand how big of a deal that was. It was just normal everyday life. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it's really incredible to think about it as an adult and teaching my own kids to learn how to read. Yeah, very powerful. Very, very powerful. So then you began, do you have any other siblings? So I have a younger brother um, and he's about nine years younger than me. So a good portion of my life, I was a single child. And then shortly after he was born, my parents split. And my brother went with my dad. So my brother and I, uh, we still talk pretty often, but we didn't really grow up together. Okay. Okay. So you essentially were homeschooled as a single child then. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then what did homeschool continue to look like for you? You know, at the time, were you part of, did your family find co-ops? I know usually California traditionally had a larger homeschooling community, I guess, depending where you were and depending, you know, in different areas as well. But How did that unfold uh, through your younger going into teen life? What was, what was uh, homeschooling? What were the homeschooling days like for you? Yeah. So we actually had a ranch and I was heavily involved in um, an equestrian sport called vaulting, Mm -hmm. which is actually gymnastics on horseback. And so I was very involved in, in that community. So that would be why I wasn't socially awkward. We, um, when we vault on a team, you know, everybody, you know, some of the kids were up to like 19, 20 years old. So at this point, like I'm, you know, six, seven, all the way up to 10 or 11 and um, vaulting. So I got experience with working on a team, um, working with different age groups and um, the 
the coaches, the lead coach, her, she actually homeschools her own children. And so we, that's where I had a lot of communities with their family. And I, I can't remember, but I think we were probably the only ones who did homeschool. So around their family a lot. And um, I spent my days out with the dogs and the horses and like frolicking in the fields. Like it was rather picturesque. Like I, I, I remember just doing what I like at one point, Robin, I had three of my own horses. I was a little bit spoiled. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I really was. I really was. Hopefully the brattiness doesn't come out too much, but I am still doesn't. <laughs> I see little Amanda told in the green meadows and the horses yeah. around and the sun shining in. And yeah, absolutely. It really was. And um and, you know, I had a few other friends, like I had a church friend that was homeschooled and she'd come out sometimes. And um, obviously we play on the property. And I just got to spend a lot of my days in imagination and playing with animals and obviously learning um, a good work ethic, right? Mm-hmm. And taking care of the horses and taking care of the dogs and the cats. At one point, we even had emus. Like it was it was crazy. Wow. It was bananas. Um, And so I definitely learned a good work ethic as a homeschool kid. Uh, I honestly don't remember too much book work. I remember I had a history book that I really hated. (laughs) (laughs) But it was mostly like hands-on life experience, uh, playing pretend, taking care of horses. It It was pretty magical. Mm, I love it. I love it. Okay. So then as you're going into your teen years and your parents decided to split and they went through a divorce and it was decided that um, homeschooling wasn't as feasible and that you enter school. How was, and you said, you, you know, you were a little bit worried. So the transition, you decided to go a year back just in case. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Because I know there are families where their kids transition into school. They've maybe homeschooled all their lives and they become uh, school kids. Uh, And there are a lot of fears around that. Like, uh, you know, there's already the fear of homeschooling for many parents. Like, what if my child is behind? What if they don't have the reading levels or math levels or whatever other levels that the kids in school do their that their grades have? Um, what if they go into school and they, you know, all of those things like their confidence is gone because they're not ahead or they're behind. Uh, they're unfamiliar with things, the fears that accompany all of that. So could you maybe talk about um, that transition? And also, I want to say first, too, I recognize that. It was a big transition, not just in the change from homeschooling to school, but the biggest transition would be your life and the changes within your family structure and life too. So that alone would have been, I definitely recognize, a huge shift for you and a huge change. Um, And, you know, in in so many ways as well. So I do want everyone listening to to keep that in mind too that it's not just about the school transition for you. It was about the family structure transition as well. And being a teen, um, looking for that footing as well. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for recognizing that, that, um, that transition 
with my parents getting divorced, obviously, like we had horses, we had dogs, we had, you know, had lots of pets. It was like a little dream life for a girl. Um, and that was taken away. And so that was, it was huge. I had a lot of depression. I had suicidal thoughts. Um, I was extraordinarily lonely. Um, and I mean, my, my dad was like, he was like my person I really connected with emotionally and he actually had to move away for a job. And so it, there was so much happening at this point. And I went through a really, really dark season, um, as a tween and, and a young teen. And so, um, yeah, I wrestled with suicidal thoughts and actually stepping into something that had a structure when my life was chaotic was very beneficial. Yeah. Um, and being in, you know, community with people, even though it was so unfamiliar for me, um, that really, that really did help. And that made a huge difference. Um, in between when my parents were going through that split, um, another homeschool mom, like really took me in under her wing, loved on me, like, like a daughter. And so, um, brought me to church and that's actually where I met my husband. Um, so at a, at a young I, age. Yeah. Yeah. At, we uh, started dating when I was 16. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, at a very young age we met and, um, so there was going into school. Yeah. It was a very big transition for me. Um, and like I said before, I began a year back because I was, there had been, obviously divorces don't happen overnight, right? And so there had been a span of a couple years where I don't remember really doing anything for homeschooling. Um, you know, my parents were trying to figure things out, you know, get rid of some of the animals. Um, I had to take care of my little brother while my mom went and worked, Right. Right. And so it, it and that was that was just a little bit of time we had together. But so it was it was really good for me to transition into the public school because there was no sort of order to my life. And I mean, my parents just couldn't provide it at that stage. And it was you know, nothing good, bad, right or wrong about what they did. And so I chose my mom didn't suggest it. My dad didn't suggest it. I chose to start a year back. And I'm really glad I did choose that. It put me at a lot of ease. And my birthday happens to be in April. So me, like I'm only, like when I graduated, I had barely turned 19. Nobody really knew. Um, it wasn't like I was a super senior at any point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was never treated that way. Um, and also with entering freshman year, right? I got to move through high school with the entire class. Right. And that was a really special experience. Um, so I remember that first day of school, like it was a science class, which I don't remember doing a day of science in my life, but clearly like I lived on a ranch, like we bred animals. I took like, I could tell you in biology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, but it wasn't like science in class. So it was my first period was science. And there was this adorable teacher named Mrs. Woodward who had had a stroke. And so you couldn't like, she, half of her face was like off to the side and it was hard to understand her, but she was so kind. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what if I raise my hand at the wrong time? What if I have to pee? Like, does everybody know I'm homeschooled? And like my heart was going like this. <laughs> 
And so, you know, the first day, no, like there were no problems. Like I figured it out how to get to classes. Um, I found a group of friends who let me sit at their table at lunch. And um, shortly, you know, as that first semester ended, I was looking at uh, all of the kids, like how they ranked in all of my classes. And I realized I was at the top for most of them. And I sat there thinking, oh my gosh, I have been outside playing my entire life. And these kids have sat at these desks for their whole lives and I'm doing better than them. My kids will never go to public school. (laughs) (laughs) I decided at 14, that was not going to (laughs) happen. So, um, and I mean, I'm a really like high performer, high achiever. Like I've got that sort of personality, um, you know, firstborn sort of personality. So, I mean, that plays a factor into it. But I think what really made the difference is I got to develop a love of learning as a child. Mm. And like enjoying the process and going deep on the topics that I loved. And I developed an ability to do research. And obviously, like I had a really good social sphere. um, And so my social skills were developed. And with that, when I got put into a public school setting, I already had all the skills that I needed to do well. And I, I was terrified about math. So I like, was like, no, I want to start at like the lowest level of math possible. <laughs> and so like, even I remember we took like a test the first couple of weeks that we were in that class and like, you could, you could move up to like algebra one or whatever it was. And I was like, no, I want to stay here and make sure I have the foundations. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so by the time I got to college, I was doing pre-calc, you know, so I, I I think I took the appropriate steps in the moment to set myself up for success, but I had all the skills that I needed because I had that love of learning just instilled deeply in me where I don't think that's facilitated well at public schools. Right. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. You actually just defined that so well. Um, in your your story and example, and I absolutely understand that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just giggling at the fact as well too. When when you say, you know, you're like, I've played all this time, and here I'm at the top of the class. <laughs> but also, I also recognize the maturity that you had through being able to um, gain your own confidence through the years and play and be yourself and do those things that really drove you that you enjoyed and loved that probably gave you as well that independence and confidence going in to recognize, okay, so for me to feel better right now, this is seeing like, this is what I need. Um, Not being pressured into something. No, I'm going to just start slow. I'm going to build this foundation because I feel like I need to build this foundation first before I move forward. And then from there, you know, to know yourself, it sounded like in so many ways, you really knew yourself from an early age. Yeah. And, you know, I've never really thought about it in that way, but I think you're spot on. I was, I was given the, the opportunity to get to know my strengths and especially with horses. Like, I mean, I was leading big draft horses at, you know, five or six years old, saddling them up for vaulting and just to ride around at home. So, I mean, it takes a certain amount of like gusto to be, you know, like yay high. 
I'm, and I'm short. I've always been that way, <laughs> you know, be short and be leading these giant animals. And so I did develop, I think, uh, like an intuition about myself. And I, I was given the opportunity to know how to like learn how to lead myself right. with, with the homeschooling aspect. So when I was in hard situations like this, I was able to make the right choice for myself and advocate, even when somebody was like, oh, you could actually do you know, you could go up or you could do this. And I was like, mm, that doesn't sound right. But it was because I had that opportunity as a homeschool student really to just develop that within myself, that that intuition. Yeah, absolutely. So then how did that, does that translate now as a homeschooling parent? How did taking that experience into the present, has that shifted or shaped how your family learns from home and homeschools now? Do you do a lot of what you experienced as a young person now with your kids? What does that look like now? How does that translate? Yeah. So actually, I um I was like the typical like new homeschool mom and I got really focused on academics. Like everything I knew from my own childhood like went out the window and we were not frolicking in the fields. <laughs> That's actually probably comforting for a lot of us to hear as well. <laughs> yep. Even though that was my experience, that's not what we did. I mean, I had gotten n- nothing against Abeka. I love Abeka, and they serve a, a really good purpose in the homeschool community. But there was like four hours of instruction for four-year-olds. Oh, wow. And um, with my current educational model, that is way, way too much. <laughs> um, and so... and. My oldest was very gung-ho on reading. And so that was, he led that, um, the reading portion. And I just went ahead and matched it with everything else for some reason. Um, So in the early years, uh, we spent a lot of time doing book work, a lot of time watching instructional videos, um, and like not enough time on unstructured play. There's so much power in unstructured play. Like it gives children the chance to um, role like role play social skills. It gives them the opportunity to develop um, problem solving skills. They get to use their imagination and creativity, which translate into cognitive development. Like there's so much that happens there that I did not put value on in the early years. And so, beginning, we did a lot, a lot of book work. We did go out in nature a lot because that's something I've never really lost touch with, but it was always, well, we do the book work first. And then if we have time, we go out and we, you know, we can go poke in the dirt and play in the mud. But now I've kind of flipped the script on that. Um, And I highly prioritize just time to rest time to get out and take a walk and enjoy nature. I have some very strong bookworms at my house. And so trying to get them outside can be a struggle sometimes. I'm like, but you'll like it because I'm outside. Um, So it's a little bit of a struggle, but then when we get out there, everybody really does enjoy it. Um, So now what it looks like after, I, I think we're about to, you know, we'll be completing our sixth year this year. Um, what it looks like now is, okay, well doing math, some math and language arts, like bare minimum. And sometimes that's like, okay, sentence dictation 
or, well, you want to write a story. Okay. Let's write a story. I mean, we have, um, we do the good and the beautiful right now. So we have curriculum that we do use, but just like yesterday, they were all feeling kind of funky and off. And so they just played and wrote stories and pretend they've been stuck on the uh, wings of fire series. Oh yeah. 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 So they are like going around pretending to be dragons and I'm like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) can we stop making weird noises? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So lots of unstructured play and having one of the things I noticed probably three years ago, and I'm somebody who's um, I've dealt with a lot of anxiety And one of the effects that has is that you try to control situations. Yeah. And um, so I found myself about three years ago, I think is when I really realized it. I found myself solving all of my children's problems. And so when they were faced with a problem, they couldn't, they like freaked out because they, I hadn't allowed them to develop any problem solving skills because if I saw them flounder, I'd lose it. So it it wasn't in their best interest. It was for me. And this is something that um, I'm really passionate about talking about now, because I think as homeschool moms, we can do that. I mean, we're already like real strong mama bears, right? Mm -hmm. And then if we're dealing with anxiety and we're not in touch with our why of like putting our hands in a situation, then we can kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. and we rob our children of these opportunities to develop problem-solving skills. And so I noticed with my oldest um, that he kind of like couldn't make a decision. And I was like, I'm like the queen of making decisions. Like you, I will just like this. And I'm like, oh, I think that's the problem. (laughs) Cause you're like, nobody makes a decision. I'll make one right now then. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, um, Instead of dropping my child off in the forest and letting him be there for like a night, I decided to go a more (laughs) nurturing route um, and just let him flounder in his indecision and like help him navigate those emotions. Um, And I had to do a lot of work on myself first in order to be able to do that um, and not allow any emotions or anxiety to control or dictate my actions. And so... I like to often say that homeschooling, like we knew it was going to be hard, but we didn't know it was a journey of self-discovery. And I'm like, I didn't sign up for that part. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that now I've, I've definitely shifted more into Charlotte Mason and schooling model. Um, and I really emphasize like if our connection is interrupted because of the academics, academics go on hold, like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So how, how far in did you start making that shift then? Did, was it like the first year or two that you were hardcore? Like we're going to get these four hours of book work in, uh, was there a catalyst that had you look at it and say, okay, you know what, this isn't working. We need to, we need to make some changes. Uh, yeah, what happened? How far in? And yeah, so we were we actually went through a really hard season. You know, like I hate those sob stories where I'm like, uh, you know, I was on the streets and blah blah blah. But we were actually homeless for a little while. Uh, we always had a roof over our head, but like sleeping in living rooms. And so my anxiety was pretty heightened. We 
you know, like long story short, my husband, him and I decided that he would go back to school and I would support us through the, through a business and it did not work out, (laughs) but it was a joint decision. And, you know, we worked through it together, but my anxiety was pretty high at that point. And as we started coming out of that season, my husband um, stopped doing school, got a job, um, and we got uh, our own house, our own apartment. Um, at that point, which was about five years ago, maybe four, yeah, it was five. Um, I started seeing like, oh wow, how impactful the anxiety was, or the how impactful my um, focus on academics was, and how it was really interfering with our connection. So we went through a long period of not really doing any kind of curriculum and just enjoying the process and learning about like whatever sparked our interest. The, a lot of the foundations that, I mean, my kids needed, like I already had one really good reader. This is another story. I'll I'll tell this in a minute. Um, I had one really good reader and he was actually really independent in his homeschooling. So it was, easy to kind of like push him off and like help help him do his own thing Mm -hmm. and work with the other one. Um, But yes, I would probably say it was a couple years in that I made that transition. And it was about that same time where I had, I had my oldest, he was reading words at three and like really fluently reading at four. And that was just, he's just a really amazing reader. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm so thankful for that. On the other hand, my second kid, he's like five and a half years old, and I can't even get him to recognize letters consistently. And I I remember sitting there, like literally banging my head on the coffee table. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Because you had such a different experience with the first. And then we always think, okay, this will be the same with the next one. And it's not. It almost never is. Yeah. Almost never is. And so I even, I don't recommend this as a parenting tactic, but I even bribed him to learn his letters. And I was like, if you remember the alphabet, I will buy you a ninja suit. (laughs) (laughs) And so I still have this picture of him after he learned his alphabet and like he's got this ninja suit on and he's standing on the coffee table (laughs) and he was so happy and he was so proud of himself. And then about six months later, his reading exploded. It just exploded. He was reading absolutely everything. And at that point, I think some things really clicked for me. Like, oh, kids really learn in their own time frame. Mm. Like, I'm sure what I did was, you know, it helped that maybe a little. But had I waited, like, how much better of an experience would it have been for all of us involved, right? right? That that connection piece. And so when he like, his reading really started exploding, I was just, it really helped me reflect on, okay, why am I putting such a focus on academics? Mm. You know, why am I not trusting his natural processes of learning? Why am I not trusting that? Oh, it's because I'm, I think my children are a reflection of me as a homeschool mom and how well they do means that's how well I'm doing as a homeschool mom. And I have to measure it somehow. Right. Right. So it really caused me to be like, you know what? My kids actually don't need to do well 
by public school standards or anybody else's standards in order for me to be confident in how I'm homeschooling them. Mm. And so that was probably another big turn for me. And he's eight now. And that's when he was about five and a half or six. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I, you know, I also think about the amount of resiliency that you have been building over your lifetime as well and the changes that you have gone through and um, like witnessed and processed and practice and continue to practice and learn and grow for yourself as well. Like you had said, you, we knew homeschooling was going to be hard, but we didn't know it was going to be a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, that's, yeah, that was, that's really, that's really big. Absolutely. Yeah. So now you also help other parents, especially on the basis of foundation, the foundation of connecting, connecting yeah. as a family, connecting with your kids as well. Mm-hmm. From your experiences, you know, for parents that are, um, you know, maybe at that point as well, where they are looking at homeschooling and they, you know, they have that stack of curriculum all purchased and ready to go. You know, maybe like, you know, right now this is February. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's it's September or it's, you know, maybe it's February and they're planning for September <laughs> and they're like, okay, I've got my chart and I've got my checklist. I know what the class is going to be doing so that I can make sure we level up or beyond. Um, I'm going to make sure my kids are up this morning and this, 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 and this. This, um, and then it all goes to hell. <laughs> <laughs> then that it just doesn't happen, Robin. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? No, never, ever, ever. What would you, would you? What would you like? What would you say to parents that are intent on having the checklist and planning and getting into this homeschool um, life? But you know, maybe some tidbits that you would give them at as they proceed or before they proceed. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm big on planning. I pack a lot into my day being a working homeschool mom. And so like, I'm all about the structure. I'm all about the the lists, as long as it's not interfering with your connection with your kids. And so at that point, that's where I begin to draw the line. So if you've got, you know, your plan and your checklist, those things are wise and you're super early or you're maybe you're even doing it late. What is the purpose of those checklists? What is the purpose of that curriculum? I talk a lot about homeschool vision and vision is kind of this weird word. It's defined as the act of like the power of imagination and thinking what I like, how I like to describe vision, it's like your end goal, but you can create it now. Mm. So if my end goal is to create a happy, functional adult, <laughs> right? Maybe, right. you know, you've got some things you really want to focus on as a family, like compassion, kindness, or maybe boldness, or, you know, faith is really important to you right? How can you create that now inside of your homeschool life? And so um, creating your plan around that, like the curriculum is great. Academics are great. And I'm all for academic rigor. We actually do um, state testing here in Oregon. And I, my boys just did a uh, winter testing, I guess it was. My oldest, he is an entire grade ahead. And he scored in the 87th percentile for both math and language arts. So like, 
I'm not against rigor in, in education, but honestly, if you want your child to excel, that'll flow from being well-connected to -hmm. them and really asking questions with them. And this is, this is another piece. Like, so what is your purpose for the curriculum? If you've got your list, you've got all your things, what it's, what's its purpose? Just let, just like make it known to yourself. Like if it's, um, if you're relying on it to prove that you are going to be successful, well, that's not what that's for, I would argue, right? (laughs) So just, you know, being aware of your own motivation is really key. And then whenever you do encounter resistance, because you will, Mm -hmm. that's an opportunity to turn resistance into connection. So whenever you meet resistance, I like do like this, like little hand motion, resistance into connection, resistance into connection. And it's an opportunity like, okay, I see that you're having a hard time or I see you're resisting doing math or whatever. And it's taking the time in those moments to go deep with your kids. You know, if they're, if it's math and they're frustrated and they don't want to do math. Okay. Um, what's coming up for you? Why, why is it that you don't want to do math today? Oh, I don't like math. Okay. Why don't you like math? Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't know isn't an answer. Um, and you get to walk your children through their emotions and understanding their own thoughts. That's really where the power is at. You know, maybe they really struggled yesterday with math, or maybe they have this underlying belief that they're not good at math or that they're not smart, right? And that's something that you want to weed out of their thinking because it's some, it's a pattern in their thoughts, and it will come up again and again and again, not just throughout their academic career, but their entire lives. And it will hold them back from reaching their full potential. So with um, whenever you meet resistance, it's an opportunity to go really deep into your child's character, into what they're believing about themselves and their heart. And you get to see the gap in their learning and be supplemental about whatever it is that that they need in the moment. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Very similar to what uh, I often talk about as well, understanding your values and your purpose mm-hmm. and your why, going back to your why and having your why lead your way. Yeah. Because we could add all these other extra things in, but if it's not in alignment with our values or purpose with our why, yeah. then it just becomes all this extra stuff, which then becomes burdensome. And yep. it becomes, we lose the joy. It's We start to lose the connection because we're pushing this and everyone else is fighting against it. So yeah, absolutely. I absolutely connect with that. Mm-hmm. So then maybe if you could let us know, because I also want to be respectful of your time too. I know you're, you're a homeschooling mom. This is early morning for Amanda too, the both of us, but I think we both like to wake up early in the morning. So kind of works yeah. well that way. <laughs> So how can we connect with you? How can we find out more for a parent that would like to, you know, who really resonates with what you say and are looking for support? Tell us more about you and how we can find you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it is my like honor and privilege. I really um, love working with homeschool moms in particular. Um, I have a community where I I coach homeschool moms, so I have different coaching programs. Um, if you want to reach out to me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at homeschool coaching mama. 
mama at the end. Um, and my website is moms, moms, plural dot heart, smart homeschool.com. And I have a homeschooling program that helps moms who are homeschooling now really bring that connection piece into their homeschooling. I talk about being inspired, creating rhythm, um, emotional regulation. It's really important. And then that last piece, connection. Um, and so going through those steps and we really focus. And then I like to talk about our mindset. Our mindset is so important, right? Um, so I I love supporting homeschool moms. Um, so you can reach out to me, DMs on, on Instagram um, or find me on my website. Okay, perfect. I'll include those in the show notes as well. So if anyone wants to, an easy way to connect, those will be in the show notes too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to leave us with before before we exit out? Yeah, I would say trust the process Mm. and you are the best educator for your children. Like you are the person who is most intricately connected with them and you're going to stick your neck out farther than any teacher ever could or would for your kids to help them walk through a problem or build character in their life. There's nobody who's going to do that better than you. And that is what qualifies you to be the best educator for your children. It's not a degree. It's your love. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much, Amanda. I of course. I really appreciated you taking the time and you coming on the show. I know a lot of parents will connect with what you shared. I certainly did. And, you know, it's actually really nice for me to to get to know you better as well and to hear your story. Um, yeah, it's inspiring and encouraging and really powerful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share, Rob. And I, I greatly appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Always. This episode was brought to you by Fearless Learners by Success Codes. Book your free clarity coaching call with one of their learning success coaches at www.learningsuccessacademy.com or check out their free weekly show from Fear to Fearless on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Go to learningsuccessacademy.com. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. 